Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Josh Peck. And I'm Ben Soffer. And, and we're, we're the, the good, good guys. guys. There's a lot of guys out there. And we're the good ones. Welcome back to The Good Guys. We have our first ever good girl, or should I say second, because Jeanette McCurdy made us cancel the original podcast. So, Claudia, <laughs> welcome. Thanks for joining us. Claudia, on The Good Guys, how are you? Thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I, I don't want to, you know, flip the interview on to you guys, but I'm curious if there'll ever be a time where you stop talking about Jeanette McCurdy and the interview that never happened. Uh, no, I'm personally scarred. Josh, what about you? I'm re- I'm angry at myself that I didn't just pull a fast one and just put it out. I know. Should we have? The thing is, you're the good guys, and it's a it's a badge you wear with honor. And sometimes there's benefits, and sometimes there's disadvantages. Do you think that we should have held it hostage and said? We want you to re-record this then within the next five days. You have a ticking time bomb or we're releasing. I just don't think anyone would consider terrorists to be good guys. And so it would be against your brand. Well, if you listen to the podcast, you'd know that we'd actually be comfortable being funded by terrorism if it meant that we'd make some money on ads. So, I did. What? I did hear that. You know, I'm so, excited to be here because you guys might not know I'm a big good guys listener. I love the podcast, obviously, because it's a TNN production. But you guys have really got charisma. You've got uniqueness, nerve, talent. I really enjoy the show. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, compliments are my love language. I never met my dad, and I've been acting ah. since I was nine, and thus, I need as much positive feedback as possible. Well, you know, you should listen to The Toast, Josh, because I actually talk about you all the time. More specifically, your book. I actually spoke about it today. Today is Thursday. <gasps> I spoke about We were talking about celebrity memoirs because um, Prince Harry's book is coming out, and I was talking about, you know, my first intro into reading and how I really became obsessed with reading was celebrity memoirs. It was like my genre of choice. And I was lamenting how I kind of have strayed far away. The only ones I read were yours last year and Jeanette McCurdy's. And your book really stuck with me. Like months later, I find myself thinking a lot about the stuff that you wrote. It was very insightful about like fame and comedy and, and weight. I think I was just the target demo for your book. That means so much. And I, I, I just, yeah, that I wanted to connect with people like us, right? Yeah. Because I feel like we're walking around and the trap is we feel terminally unique and we're the only ones who feel this way. So and what true. your show does a beautiful job of doing and your, just your empire is welcoming in other people like us. No, totally. And so honestly, if you guys haven't read Josh's book and you're a reader, it's so good. And I flew through it in like a day and a half. Well, I, I don't think we can um, take this opportunity and not transition to a quick overview of how you're feeling about Harry and Meghan and the whole thing, because there's been a lot, and I know you love royalty. 
I, I do. And you know what? The the saga, the Meghan, the Harry is making me hate royalty. I'm getting so fatigued by all the news stories. It's like I can't open my phone without something else. Now it's the book and then it was the Netflix show and then it was, you know, the Queen and Charles. Like it's exhausting. And for me, I don't find joy in like gossip about people's families. Like that's like kind of the one thing I stand like on a moral high ground. I'm very protective of my family. I'm very family oriented. Like loyalty is huge to me. It's like one of the tenets of who I am. So I don't find joy in watching like this these brothers and this father and this son publicly jab at each other. You know, I don't enjoy it. Ben, what are your thoughts? Because I, I, I wonder if I have some differing thoughts. So you go first. I, I just know nothing about the royals. Like we've established this before. I once called Prince Charles, Prince. What was the? What was it? It was Prince Philip. Charles, Prince Philip, and Prince Charles. I don't know who's dead. I don't know who's alive. <laughs> and to be honest with you. Uh, I think everybody's just jealous. Like, the royals are awesome because, like, I would love to be king. I'd love to be a prince, right? Well, I know, think that they should have more power. The The thing you learn about really investing in the royals is it's not as glamorous as one would think. Like, we looked at Meghan Markle. She's a princess, American fairy tale. And it was literally the worst time of her life. She was literally suicidal. It's not well, all it's cracked up to be. And if you watch well, The Crown, that's... you see that, like— these people have no privacy. They live to serve. It's kind of like a miserable existence, but you're but you're in a castle, so people think it's like the best thing ever. But it's not. But that's also because Meghan Markle isn't a princess, though. Like not to she be, like, was. Too... No, I know, but like there's a difference between like marrying into being a princess and just being a princess. You know, like no, no, because Princess so? Diana, who's more of a princess than Princess Diana, and she went into it. See, I didn't even know that. I don't know so, anything. Yeah, so. You know, what I've learned through my years of podcasting is, like, it's so important not to talk about things that you don't know about because, like, you'll get in trouble. <laughs> like, a lot, you know, we can only cover so much on the toast. And, like, recently a lot of people are like, why aren't you talking about the Idaho murders? And it's because, honestly, I don't know much about it. I know they caught the guy and, like, I see people on TikTok making up theories, but I'm not really well-versed in the subject. And I try and stay away from shit I don't know about because I'm not going to be out here, you know, intentionally spreading inf- misinformation. Sometimes it happens not bad accident but i'll never intentionally do that Mm. well you really should follow the idaho thing because it's better than anything any of these fiction books you read on vacation claudia it's better than fiction all i know is like right now there's an affidavit that's like changed everything it's changed everything what we're finding out is that he was around the house where it happened like multiple times over the last six weeks that he showed up there at 4 a.m. that one of the... Okay, first of all, I love that one of the women who uh, sadly is, has passed was getting Postmates like 10 minutes before it ended. I mean... That's the thing. It's like, it's just regular people. That's that's what's so crazy about this story. It's like, it's just yes. regular folk. It's regular folk. And what we're hearing now is that one of the roommates not... Okay, I'm quoting this. She heard someone say, there's someone in the house. Yes. Then she heard what she thought was crying, and then she heard what what she thought was, don't worry, I'll take care of you, or something to that effect. I mean, this is, I mean, the most impressive thing, and, and it's a, a historic tragedy and unspeakable, is, I mean, I the group think of TikTok and these online sleuths kills me. When you actually see how badass like very capable detectives and FBI yes. people can be, it, it's revelatory. No, and you know, I've had this conversation like with myself, but also just with people who want to talk to me about <laughs> the 
the weird nature of like true crime. I whenever I'm looking um, on the podcast store and I'm you know trying to find myself on the charts, we're always charting with morbid. And it took me a couple weeks, and I was like, wait, why the fuck? is morbid a comedy podcast literally that i was looking at the charts yesterday and they were one space above us and it was the title was like the untimely and tragic death of pamela whatever and i'm like why is this in the comedy section and i feel like the true crime space has gotten so like commercialized people have forgotten we're like literally talking about people who have lost their lives not even that pretty recently and like who have family members it's just weird like the commodification of true crime it's so true and I think what's spectacular just is in this of what what is such a massive tragedy is how bad like law enforcement was literally feeding the world false information mm. so that they weren't tipping off Brian the the suspected killer yeah. and just like how they were able to get his DNA by going and picking up the trash from his father's house getting the father's DNA off the trash and then breaking it down enough so that it was close enough to the DNA they found at the scene. No, that's like, crazy. They've had this guy for over a month. They, yeah. they, he, they've been tracking him. It's unbelievable. Here's my quick question, though, before we leave the Royals. I find that this new wave of the doc and the book has made me think twice about the Megan and Harry of it all, and I'll tell you why. When Megan said something to the effect of, when I first met Harry, and he mentioned that I would be meeting his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth, mm -hmm. for 70 years, mm -hmm. and he asked me if I knew how to curtsy, I thought he was joking. Babe, stop it. You thought he was joking? Right. You're 37. I'm 36. You're in your 20s, Claude. We know what the we royals know. are. This woman is one of the greatest historical women in history. So true. Babe, you didn't know that you were going to no. have to curtsy? Stop it. I know. And I think part of it was like, you know, she, they're making a TV show and they want to tell their story. And I don't know. And the reports are that Harry and Meghan are actually really unhappy with the director and the way that she told their story. Like they didn't have full creative control. And it's said that like they're very not pleased with how how they came across and I don't know what what their reasoning for that is because for me my takeaway and I might be alone in this is like and I did it's worth mentioning I didn't finish it I watched the first three episodes and then I stopped caring but <laughs> my takeaway was like Harry like really failed his wife on preparing her for this journey she was about to go on like it's a totally other world and she says like I thought I was gonna get like classes and there would be like an orientation I, I would have assumed the same as Megan like it's a total different culture and she's not even British so there was none of that and while that sucks I would expect my husband who was born into it to get me a teacher or to teach me teach me how to curtsy like she says the first time she did a curtsy it was like weird it's like well your husband it, it's on him to help you like I left the the documentary being like Harry sucks like literally sucks and I thought Megan was a queen like a star Princess Diary style, where's my Julie Andrews, right, give right. me my lessons. Yeah, like, I think, and I, honestly, I would have thought the same thing as Meghan Markle. Like, once I get there, I'm like, okay, they're going to put me through training, and I'll have a wardrobe stylist. It's like, no, she's ordering clothes online and Googling how to curtsy on YouTube. Like, and that sucks, but it's almost like you're living with someone who is born into it. He could probably help you. Could you imagine if Amazon did a Meghan Markle store, like her picks for when she was in the monarchy? The thing is, I could see it. They have a podcast, like all the things I thought that were like beneath them, like if they're doing a reality show, like a memoir, things that like royals would never do. I won't be surprised if, you know, they're going to start an OnlyFans. 
I don't buy that. I don't buy that somebody didn't offer her help. I don't. I, that all. That all make doesn't make much sense. Or no. sorry, I buy the fact that nobody offered her help because nobody wanted her to be there. I don't buy the fact that if she asked for help, that she wouldn't have gotten help. It's probably intimidating to ask for help. Um, and I believe it because, like, when you watch The Crown, it's really, like, being a royal is not what people think it is. Like, first of all, it sucks. Second of all, like, it's very competitive with, like, the other women. And I could see them not, like, rolling out the red carpet, but they should have because in, the like, part one of the documentary, we saw what, what her life was like when she was a working royal and she hated it, but she was built for it. Like, she's so kind. She loves philanthropy. Like, she was built for this. And if they had made it work, she would have made such an impact. Like, obviously, she was divorced. She's biracial. Like, it was huge progress for the family that, like, desperately needed it. And she was, like, literally built. She's, like, kind of gives Princess Diana vibes. So you're team Megan. I'm not team anyone because honestly, like I don't endorse the like dragging of your family publicly, even if they deserve it. That's just not, that's not how I live my life. So I don't, I don't, if I'm going to take a side, I'm leaning more towards the Royals because it's very easy to release documentaries and books against a family who is forbidden by law from like coming out and, and responding. They don't respond. It's unfair. I have I have nothing else to say. I, I I don't know enough to contribute anymore. And as I've learned, I just won't contribute at all. What? So then, what's your what are you nuts moment of the week, Ben? Start us off. We can segue into what are you nuts, and this is a big one. Josh, as somebody that spent a lot of time in New York, even since the last time you've been here, taxi cabs, the yellow cab is facing unprecedented times. <laughs> when I was younger. Hopped in a cab. You know, it was a little expensive, but you you were going to bite the bullet because of the convenience. And then up it went, and then there was a congestion tax, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, $250, what's that? Wow, $4, what's that, Josh? $6.50 as of last week on the congestion tax. You hop into a cab, you go one block, it's $10, just in case you made a mistake. You left your wallet up there. What are you, nuts? $10? No, that's a it's good one. Insane. It it's insane. It is. I hop in. It's a huge problem. Do you remember when we were in high school? It was like $1.50. It's like the base fare. It's like you can't get into a cab without the meter being already at $1.50. And they made like this grand law to increase it to like $2 or $2.50. And people were freaking out. They were like, this is crazy. It's always been $1.50. And I have stopped taking yellow cabs, so I didn't know that it got up to the the price that it did. It's absurd that, like, before you even put your seatbelt on, if you put your seatbelt on, it's $6. It's crazy. No, it's more than $6. You're just talking about the congestion tax. There's still a base fare plus the congestion tax. What it used to be was $2.50 for a base fare. Now it's $4.50 for a base fare, $6.50 for a congestion tax. All of a sudden, I'm out of cash. The key, the key is you just get in, you get in the seat and you say, like, no meter, I'll pay you cash. And then you tip generously and you're still paying less because you, th- that money, it doesn't go to the drivers. It should, and I wouldn't have a problem with it if it did, but it's like another corporate, governmental, bureaucratic, red tape fee tax. You say, no meter, I'll give you 20 bucks, take me downtown. Have you done that? Yeah, you know, I like to wheel and deal. Wow. I love that. Shut off the meter. I'll just slip you a they 20. They don't want it. It doesn't benefit the drivers. 
No, it does not benefit the drivers at all. So what what's, you your, what's your go-to conversation with cab drivers? Because mine, when I lived in the city, was always, how much is a medallion costing nowadays? <laughs> you know what? That's a good, good question. Because the cost of medallions was high. It was low. It was a crazy investment. Yeah, and, and for any non-New Yorkers, a medallion is what allows you to turn your car into a licensed cab. Yeah. So my go-to is this. <clears throat> Busy today? Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. I feel I, I don't know why I would have thought that you would have said nothing in a cab, Claude. Well, I will never initiate conversation, but if if I am feeling chatty... Then I'll be mm, busy today. Or if I, I can sense the, that the driver's looking for some sort of camaraderie, you could feel it sometimes, the energy. Then I'll give in. But mostly I'm scrolling TikTok. Don't talk to me. I don't know if the drivers just always sense like the Judaism, like the, the scent of Jew on me <laughs> that I hop into a cab and they're like, they, they just immediately start talking about religion. And like mm. most of the time they're, I've gotten some very deep religious conversations about the Bible. Old Testament versus New Testament, what I think about. It's always, or the mayor. We always talk yeah. about the mayor. Love the that. The mayor there's is so, a great There's so place. much traffic. Oh, fucking de Blasio. And I'm like, yeah, fucking Bill the criminal. So, yeah, we have, we're on common ground, me and That's the That's a good the entry point. Yeah, the, the mayor. The mayor. Because of all the bus lanes, it's terrible. Mm. Yeah. Those Madison Avenue bus lanes. Today's podcast is brought to you by... HelloFresh. Look, you've got New Year's goals and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store and take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. I know what you're thinking. Delicious recipes. It's just not possible, Josh. How can it come to my door, be this easy and be this tasty? I'm telling you, I wasn't one of these people either. And then HelloFresh like came into my life unexpectedly. And I was so pleasantly surprised by the ease of use, the delicious ingredients, how clean, tasty, and healthy it felt, and just allowing me to not have to think. I'm so bad at thinking. Look, HelloFresh's Festive Fair collection features limited time recipes made with seasonal produce and premium proteins. Get out of the post-holiday slump with these elevated winter classics. It's good to eat seasonal, okay? If you're having a strawberry in the middle of December, something's off. I hate to break, unless you live in South America and the, you know, there's a, I, because if you're below the equator, then the seasons, I don't know. I'm not a geologist. What I do know is that HelloFresh is what you need to be eating delicious, healthy, tasty things in a really easy way. So go to HelloFresh.com slash GoodGuys21 and use code GoodGuys21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash GoodGuys21 and use code GoodGuys21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. 21 free meals. I mean, are you kidding? What are you, nuts? Nope, you're not nuts. It's HelloFresh and they are America's number one meal kit. Claude, do you have a uh, what are you nuts moment? I do, and wouldn't you know, it's about you. Can you believe it? I can believe it. Because ben you and think I, I'm nuts. Ben and I went on vacation. We were in Belize for New Year's and Christmas. Belize it or not? Belize it Be or not? Belize Navidad. It was beautiful, but I learned a lot about my husband. Because for me, like on a beach vacation, there is a standard protocol. You know, during the day. 
you sunbathe, you swim, if you want to go, you know, take a Zip walk. line. Yeah, like activities, lunch, maybe some cocktails, read by the beach. It's relaxation time. Then it's like four or five o'clock. You watch the sun start to set. You go back to your room and you got the two hours to do nothing. You nap, you read, you uh, watch TV, you scroll on your phone. That's like decompressing hour before I need like an hour to get ready. So at like 6.37, I'll get ready for dinner, dinner at 8. And to me, like that is the Bible. Like I've been doing vacation like that. I think everyone does it like that. Like that is the way to do it. And me and Ben, I guess we have not been on a beach vacation in a really long time because, and maybe the last time we went, you didn't do this, but Ben has become, maybe it's, you know, with spritz, like you're always working, working, working. You're never bored. I found Ben to be fucking insufferable on vacation. (laughs) Literally two o'clock, he goes, all right, I'm going to go lay down in the room. Two o'clock? It's peak sun hour. You stay outside at two o'clock. Then I'm like, all right, I said, go to your thing. I'm reading. I'm enjoying my life, listening to music. I'm like, okay, go, bye. He moseys around the hotel. He'll literally do anything except sit next to me. Take a walk. I'll go back to the room. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to take a call. Do does a million things. I'm like, okay, you know what? Every Everyone is going to do their own thing. Then it's 5, 6 o'clock. It's the relaxation hour. It's the hour where we get in our robes and we take naps. We don't do anything. I'm reading. I'm in my robe. I'm enjoying my life. He turns to me. You uh, want to go for a walk? Turns to me. He's like, oh, should we do something? I'm kind of bored. What are you, nuts? It's relaxation hour, bitch. Stop. Adhere to the schedule. In case you can't hear it in her voice, I'm on vacation vacation with Joseph Stalin. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that you're regimented between the hours of 12 and 2. We need sun. It's really fucking hot. The, the sun is peaking 12 to 2. So at 2 o'clock, I'm a little bit tired from the sun. There's just so much I can sit. I love that Josh interjected in there, go zip lining. No, you think we're zip lining? From, from 9 to 2, it's just sitting. You sit and you sit That's and so you sit. That's so not true. Uh, Josh, we were on vacation with Brian Kelly, the points guy. He packed our itinerary. We had we went to Secret Beach. We did boats. We did plane flyovers. We went to the Blue Hole. We the were days that, filled the, to the brim with the days activity. That you're ta- the days that you're talking about, though, are the days where we were not filled to the brim with activity. Right, because it's relaxation. It's vacation. To me, it's relaxing to... Uh, just be on a different schedule. So maybe our ideas of relaxation are different, but I understand. What are you, nuts? Yeah, I think anyone who doesn't adhere to the very clear beach schedule, like the sun dictates our activities, I think, what are you, nuts? I agree, and I think it's something we all have to come to terms with, that maybe our perfect spouse is not our perfect vacation partner. Mm. I was, for the first time ever, I'll never forget this, I was dating my beautiful wife, Paige. We had been together eight months. I had never been on a vacation, ever. And I go, people go to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. 25, she's 21. I'm like, let's go. It's eight months. I get us a place at the Four Seasons Wailea. Uh, You can see it in White Lotus, season one. Yes. And it's so lovely. But me, nutbag, because I've never vacationed. I'm like, oh, we have to do everything yeah and i must have been so we fought so painfully and dramatically on that vacation i literally there i i called my mom three days in and i said i can't believe the first ever vacation i'm on is where 
I break up with my girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> like we were so over each other because yeah. of how different our approach was to vacation. So now, and honestly, I think we would get scared knowing we were going on vacation just the two of us because of how different our approach is. So we need to go with we need to go with you guys and Ben and yes. I will go to the, you know, the banana factory or, you know, the pineapple zip farm, zipline, you know, um face to face and you guys can lounge and read you know what that's such a good call because a fun fact about ben and i is that we never went on our honeymoon we've been on like tons of vacations but never an official honeymoon and it was because you know we got married and it was very stressful planning the wedding and then right after were the jewish holidays so we couldn't leave right after so we're like you know what we'll plan it eventually five years later we still haven't gone and about two years ago me and jackie were talking about how we both have not taken honeymoons jackie had the same thing they were going to plan it they never did and part of us is like do we really want to go i've heard horror stories about honeymoons it's just so much downtime it's so much opportunity to argue so jackie and i were like what if we just did our honeymoons together you know we'd stay at the same hotel we could do separate things do things together ben and jackie's husband zach were not into the idea at all but i thought it was a great idea i mean my idea of a honeymoon would be as it would be for you Let's do an experience. Like, let's go on safari. Let's go and see some elephants and zebras and giraffes. And I don't just want to sit. Otherwise, we always just sit. I like the idea. We'll go on vacation with Josh and Paige. Me and Josh will have a great time. And you and Paige can just wither away into nothing in that chair. We'll come back. You'll be a part of the chair. You will have (laughs) melted into the chair. You are chair. I like that idea. Sounds fun. I, uh, fun, uh, uh, little secret about Paige and I, we too didn't have a proper honeymoon, but John Stamos, who's now my friend, I don't mean to brag, at the time decided... Good for you. Good for you. What can I say? You know, uh, one of the most famous Greeks there is. Uh, he literally... And it's so competitive. It's so competitive, famous Greeks. Yeah, it's not an easy, it's not an easy forum, but they're no. mighty and they're either incredible at entertainment or diners or both. So true. Uh, a Greek it's hit, diner? It's hit, who's more famous? John Stamos or Eon Miller? Eon Miller, for sure. <laughs> Have you ever seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding, Josh? No. <gasps> oh, 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 oh! The original, yes, with yes. Mia Vardalos, yes, yeah, yes, yes. with with her, well, with her but husband. Mia Vardalos is also in the sequel. Um, it's not as Wait, good, but it's but, it's still pretty good. But you know her uh, her husband, Eon Aiden. Miller. Yeah, Aiden yeah. from Aiden. Sex Maya, in the City. Yeah. Maya daughter Mary Eon Miller. <laughs> so good! It's literally the best movie. <laughs> So good. And by the way, made Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson $200 million. Did you know that? Wait, what's their involvement? They're the producers. They helped discover it and they almost fully funded it themselves. And it cost <gasps> like $3 million to make and it made half a billion. Oh, oh my God. That's so interesting. Because Rita Wilson is Greek. She is? <laughs> yes. Wilson oh. is not a Greek last name. Wilson? <laughs> but it is it is the name of Tom Hanks's volleyball friend in Castaway. <gasps> Wait, does that have anything to do with Rita? I just love to know that Chet Hayes is half Greek. Oh yeah, <laughs> but in his mind, he's also half Jamaican. <laughs> Which same year? Sorry, same. we cut you off for, from bragging. Tell us more about John Stamos. So John Stamos says, "Would it be cool if?" I have a trip planned to Cabo with good family friends of ours who are now good family friends of Paige and I. And they happen to, you know, they're they're a wealthy couple. They've done well. I would expect nothing less. Stamos isn't hanging out with peasants. Drop their names. 
there I, I don't know you know when it, with the wealthy you can't do that because like that's you don't the know thing. that's the thing about having rich friends rich people who aren't famous like don't give a fuck they don't want to come on your podcast they don't want to be in your instagram stories it sucks i have nothing to talk about with these people they're really great and they're like philanthropic and so anyway cut to we're on their pj to fucking cabo and Sick. it's me and them and the stamoses and this is at the height of the internet literally attacking me for not inviting Drake to my wedding. Oh, dark times. So we're literally having the greatest time ever. The the uh, Stamos's family friends who are now our friends have literally are treating us like family. They set up a private fireworks show for Paige and I. <laughs> At the hotel, it's so lovely, and all I'm hearing is John three to four times a day going, hey, should I put out a tweet or like a photo of us together here and, and say something to Drake to really stir it up? Uh. And I'm like, John, why can't you stay out of things? He did, <laughs> by the way, he did. He he actually had an incredible caption, which I approved, which was, I went to the wedding, or I was invited to the wedding, and I didn't even want to go. Lol, that's funny. Honestly, you would have come out on top, though. It's like, Drake is over here fighting, making current instagram videos and you're on the beach with john stamos and an unnamed wealthy couple i was winning you're so right but here's my what are you nuts moment so i i took my son recently to a trampoline park are you familiar with these Ooh. things we've been it's we have a, it's a great time it's a it's a rolled ankle waiting to happen but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and my son's there he's having the best time and they have like an area which is kind of one of those springboard floors that you see like in uh, the floor Gymnastics. routines yes yeah. why at every trampoline park type thing is there that one gymnastics girl who's oh. taking it way too seriously no she's like, flexing she's like arms up <laughs> Like, leg out, doing, like, full, like, sow cow rollouts. I don't even know what the name of it is. And, like, my, and she's giving me stink eye, this nine-year-old, because I'm letting my son, like, do really crappy somersaults. Of course. On the spring floor. I'm like, what are you, nuts? Go do gymnastics at a gymnastics house. I thought you were going to say that there were, like, you know, teenage YouTubers doing, like, trick jumps and trick shots. Because I'm always seeing TikToks of, like, these people going to trampoline parks and, like, showing their best work. And it's like, leave that space for the kids. That is a safe space for children. That's right. I agree. Your well-being is high on the priority list this holiday season, and Dad Grass has you covered. Mellow out with their CBD pre-roll joints, get a little hangover help with their good time tinctures, or get sleep that dreams are made of with their brand new nighttime gummies. Listen, I love gummies. I love CBD. You put it together. You got a happy Josh. Look, have you ever been just too damn high? We've all been there. I haven't been there in 15 years, but you probably have. With today's weed, sometimes it's a it's a dangerous game, but Dadgrass is reviving the pleasure of the casual smoke, so you can chill out without the stress, and if you're not into smoking, like me, try out their tinctures or amazing, fast-acting new gummies. Look, Dadgrass is legal, organic, smokable hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. Their 100% organic pre-rolled joints, tinctures, and gummies are very low in THC and high in CBD, so you can enjoy the effects of CBD while keeping a clear head. I'm a sober guy. I can enjoy CBD knowing that I'm not going to get a head change, but I'm going to get the benefits of CBD for for pain, for, for anxiety, for sleep. 
CBD to me is really a, a pretty spectacular thing, and I'm glad that I can get it through Dadgrass. Look, all Dadgrass products are federally legal for ages 18 and over, shout out the government, and it ships right to your door anywhere in the U.S. Right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash goodguys. Go to dadgrass.com slash goodguys for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash good guys. Can I, I've been dying to ask you this, Claudia, and I hope it's safe to bring it up here. Um, Cause I have a history with him. What do you think of Austin Butler? <laughs> Wait, I'm so sorry. What is your history? I mean, of course it's the Nickelodeon network, but what is, what's the history? All I know is, is that I did a voice of a car. There was a movie that he was in as a teen, like 14 mm-hmm. or 15. And there was like a lovable cartoon character in it. The movie's called Aliens in the Attic. Check it out, kids. I gotta stream it. I have a long flight tomorrow. I'll download it. <laughs> and I am the voice of the star alien. Okay. Oh, that must have been huge for you at the time. Massive. Nice, quick How much 50K. money did you get paid? <laughs> it was five, five sessions, 10,000 each. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, I hope you invested pretty good. that. That's pretty good. And so, I, and we have some mutual friends. We're just in some of the same kid actor circles. He's a little bit younger than me. And you know what he was? A lovely, mm-hmm. goo- goofy mm-hmm. kid from Anaheim. Did his voice sound like that back in the day? Claudia, not even close. And this is what kills me now. Like, who is this guy? I know. Why Why are we all co-signing this? And by the way, I, I'm not being overly critical. He's a great actor. And mm-hmm. I would, I yo, I'm giving you your flowers, Austin. You're killing it. Much respect. But I would also tell you, as someone who knew you back then, what are you, what are you nuts? What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? No. And then he went on SNL and like in his monologue addressed the fact that people think he's, you know, still doing the Elvis voice, but it's always been that way. And it's like, stop. We all watch you on Zoe 101. We don't have amnesia. We know your voice doesn't motherfucking sound like that. Stop. <laughs> stop. And it's because like he got caught you know, using the fake voice. And it's embarrassing. It's giving Ilaria Baldwin, you know? It's it's embarrassing to be caught like that. Like, I get it. But it's even more embarrassing to double down once you've been caught. Like, just own it. Own it, Austin. Just own it. And that that's... The problem is he doesn't have any real motherfuckers, like the three of us around yeah. him, to call him out. And to... Like, if I saw you guys, and we all went to Carbone together when I'm in New York, and I'm like, hey, y'all, you would literally look at me and be like... <laughs> Well, you know what? That's a good question. What is the biggest lie you've ever told that you got like caught in and it was like mortifying for you? Wow. Biggest lie. I I know the biggest lie, <laughs> but, but I didn't get caught. And that was at summer camp at 10 years old when I told everyone that I was in the Broadway production of Big. And I had only because I had only seen it. I wasn't Dead. in it. And I literally had to keep it up so much that when my mom came to visit on visitor day, I had to say, Mom, you're going to have to go along with this because I'm too deep. Uh, was your, did your mom ride for you? Yeah, of course. That's a queen. That's a Jewish mother. <laughs> wow. Biggest, biggest lie. It's so interesting. I mean, Claudia is a professional gaslighter. Well, that's so. the thing. It's like, <laughs> I don't have like a, a big lie. My life is just series of lies. Like, I will just make stuff up for the fuck of it because I feel like it. And I think it's tell, funny. Claude, tell, tell, the, tell the Rory McElroy story. 
So I went to Scottsdale for the first time many years ago. I um, What was I doing there? I think I had a show. And on the way home, I was like learning so much about Scottsdale. I had never been. And there was all these guys with golf bags on the flight home. And I, that was like the first time I ever realized that Scottsdale and Arizona in general was like this golf destination. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then all these guys in the cabin with me, they were like all on a golf trip together. And I was like, oh, that looks so nice, yada, yada. So I get home from the flight and Ben's like, how was the flight? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what came over me, but like I just decided to lie. I'm like, oh, there was like this professional golfer sitting next to me. And I was sitting in first class. So like it was definitely like believable. And Ben's like, who? And I couldn't say Tiger Woods because obviously Tiger Woods is not going to be flying commercial to Scottsdale. So I'm trying to think of like a popular one, but not one who's like so major. This was like five years ago. And the only name that I'd ever heard up until that point was Rory McIlroy. Yes. So I was like Roy. I was like pretending like I didn't know his name. I'm like Roy McIlroy or something. McIlroy. And Ben's like Rory McIlroy. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he was so nice. He was like with a bunch of his buddies. I sat next to him. Um, He was pretty cool. Like it was an honestly awesome. Is he like a big deal or something? And Ben was like, is he a big deal? And he goes off and off. And like, I don't know at what point I just told him I was lying. And that was like early on in our relationship. And I think Ben was like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? Like I just made it up. <laughs> I made. I told him the truth. I didn't carry on with the lie. I just made it up because I really fucking felt like it. <laughs> wow. Diabolical. No, she, no she, she's absolutely diabolical and crazy. I will say something that I frequently lie about. If you reference a movie and make it seem like I should have seen that movie, I'm just going to tell you that I saw the movie to not have to feel shamed by whatever idiot is making me feel like shit for not seeing the movie. Sorry, I didn't have time to see your stupid movie, but I'm going to tell you I saw it anyways. Ben, that was literally us five minutes ago when we thought Josh had never seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh my God, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I did it. You've never seen it? If I were you, Josh, I would have said that I saw it, even if I didn't. Did you do that? Have you actually not seen it? No, no. (laughs) I've seen it. That I've seen. I... I haven't seen like other mo- like I've never seen the Terminator. I've Me never neither. seen the Fugitive. Like there's all these things that people love. Yeah, I've never seen um, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, it's so forgettable. I just don't like. Mo- I, I I'm I've decidedly don't like things that are popular for the most uh, part, and 100%. I think that's a knock on me, right? But I yeah, no. lo- I love Wedding Crashers. You guys are sick. No, I'm sure it's good, but like I'd never seen it, and my life remains amazing. I, unpopular opinion, I don't like Will Ferrell. Oh. You know what? You know what? Like, I feel that. Like, I feel yeah. that, t- like, deeply. Like, I can respect his skills. Like, I think he is a skillful, talented Jedi of a performer, but not for me. Let me ask you a question. Who is your favorite comedian, whether it's, like, stand-up comedy, comedic actor, funny person? Wow, that's a Dead tough one. Dead or alive. Before he attacked the Jews, I liked Chappelle. <laughs> I know, by the way. Me too. Me before too. he attacked the Jews, I thought Chappelle was like the great thinker of our time. And now I'm like, what else was I wrong about? It's like so me. Like he was like attacking everyone and I'm like, they don't understand. And then he attacks me. I'm like, actually, maybe I don't understand. Totally. I mean, and it's literally one thing he said in his SNL monologue because most of it was fine. And then he's like, the Jews can't attack all black people or basically like he, he basically said something to that effect. And I was like, oh, stop it. We're so not doing that. Yeah, no, it was very um, he basically was just saying like there's a stereotype about Jews because it's true. And that's hella problematic because let's apply if you apply that logic to all stereotypes, like you would be problematic. So why is it OK if you do that to Jews? 
I also think it's him feeling this pressure to be the the great sage of our time. And it's like, or maybe just like the the issue with some of this stuff is like it used to be so damn funny, and then you you put your message, your your genius insight in between a funny sandwich, and it was a hero, baby. Yeah. It was a nice submarine sandwich. Mm-hmm. Now the bread's getting thin, baby. Not mm-hmm. so funny no more. No, it's so true. It's like not jokes anymore. It's just like social commentary, and I feel like we see enough of that in the culture. What about I, my favorite? It's a, he's a little bit less known than Dave Chappelle, but Giannis Papas. I don't know if you know him. We're gonna have him no, on the I pod. Don't. Brilliantly funny, so good, and yeah. What about for you? Um, Joan. Yes, Joan. Um, and I really and he's top of mind because we saw him yesterday. But I like love Tracy Morgan. I think he is so funny I think his physical comedy is like unparalleled I loved 30 Rock I loved his specials I think he is like such an underrated comedian because he's been very low-key since his accident I don't think he like works a ton he doesn't have to because he says it wasn't a Raymore and Flanagan truck that hit him it was a Walmart truck he doesn't have to work um I love him but Joan is my queen like Joan is who like I Right, right before she died, Ben's parents got tickets to see her. She was doing a talk at the 92nd Street Y, and all four of us were going. And I was just, like, tired and not in the mood, um, so I didn't go. And she died a month later, and it's it's one of my life's biggest regrets. She is, un, uh, she is peerless, and I agree with you about Tracy. One of his most brilliant lines after the accident when Howard Stern asked him if he was going to go back to work was he said, well, he goes, um, he goes, yeah, I want to get busy. I'm going to walk on the turnpike and look for an Amazon truck. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so good. He's so underrated. Honestly, everybody that's truly funny is dead. Maybe Larry David isn't dead. But the same way that you feel about Will Ferrell, Josh, I feel about Jerry Seinfeld. I'm sorry. I don't, I just, I think that all the genius is sitting within Larry. I love Will Ferrell. I think almost everything Will Ferrell does is unbelievable, but I love that dumb humor. Uh, but my my two favorites that are both dead would be Chris Farley and Robin Williams. I have yeah. yet to see anything come out of either of their mouths that wasn't unbelievably funny. Ben, um, I actually, I hear what you're saying about Jerry. I feel that way about, like, that generation of comics who, like, David Letterman, like, who got TV shows and, like, got famous at a time. Conan. When literally, like, only straight white men got TV shows. Like, the the competition was so thin. And I feel like that was really evident when, like, after, you know, years after he went off the air, David Letterman came back with that Netflix show that, like, stunk it all the way the fuck up. Like, he had amazing guests and it was so boring. Like, him and Kim are shopping at CVS. Like, who cares? I feel like it was so evident then how, like, because of social media and, like, Netflix giving a platform to smaller comedians who wouldn't get, you know, people from all different backgrounds. You really saw how it's like now that the competition is stiff, like there's so many funny people getting their work out there because of social media. It was like, David Letterman, this crap isn't going to cut it anymore. Who's your least favorite late night, late night host ever? Kimmel. Wow. Kimmel, huh? Yeah. Another person who's been on, who's been on for like 20 years. I don't think he would have gotten a show today. Like it, it, it was just, like, so easy when all these people started. Josh, how do you feel about that, about your personal friend, Jimmy? Is that your friend? <laughs> he's not my friend, but he's been kind to me. Uh, but I get... Oh, by the look, way, I'm sure he's a lovely, kind gentleman. 
By the way, I'm, and this I'm is... I'm sure he's not... No. I'm sure he's uh, he's lovely and kind to certain people. Um, I mean, this is a humble flex, and I'm teeing you up for it, Claudia, but the toast on any given day is getting more viewership than late night, yes? Yeah, that's the really interesting thing. Jackie and I talk about it all the time. And just as someone who's interested in pop culture and TV, seeing shows get canceled and then what gets picked up and seeing ratings for shows, I think, you know, the top maybe five or ten comedy podcasts are actively m- – have bigger audiences and more engaged audiences because you don't you're you're actively putting on a podcast you're watching late night it's because the football game is on you can't find the remote it's like well you might have a million people tuning in those aren't a million actively engaged watchers with a podcast it's like you're going out of your way you're getting to the app store you're going to spotify you're selecting this episode from this show it's much more engaged and i think like over time as cable has declined and digital has risen it's so interesting to watch like the numbers are kind of like equal I I don't think for the toast we're we're there yet in terms of being on the same ratings but a lot of tv shows like when you watch when you actually look at tv ratings it's so interesting it's not that many people no not even close and it's a massive fall just in the last 12 years like a little bit over a decade and a half the tv landscape has changed so much, but also the connection you feel, I feel like the connection to podcasters was the connection I saw to YouTubers, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's on Instagram and everyone feels like they're capable of a funny TikTok, Mm -hmm. but like everyone knows that they're not capable of being funny and relevant for an hour or of making a really great nine minute video on YouTube. Yeah. You know, you, that's the thing that that's really similar about YouTube and podcasting is that it looks really easy. And so many people have started YouTube channels that they never picked up after 10 videos. And so many people have weekly podcasts that they never get past episode five. It looks so easy. Oh, I could talk for an hour a week or I can make this 10-minute vlog. And they don't realize not only in, in the actual work of sitting in front of a microphone and talking, but then like all the editing and, and the, the business behind making a YouTube video and monetizing it and a podcast and monetizing it. It's a lot of work. It looks very easy, which is why so many people start them. I read a statistic and I'm going to misquote it, but it was like 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode three. Right. That makes sense. So, And, and it then it was like, if you have more than 10 episodes, you're in like the 1% of podcasts. Like it's crazy. Did you hear and that, I totally, Ben? I botched that I statistic. Did. I did. We're, we're in the top 1%. I'm going to pop back to late night hosts for one second. I was going to say that my least favorite was Conan O'Brien because I can't stand him. But Samantha B. how'd she get a show? You would choose the only woman in late night. I don't even <laughs> like her. I don't like her. I've never watched anything. I do, probably wouldn't find it funny. But you would. There's literally, leave her alone. There's one woman. Like, choose someone else. Well, no, I, I won't. And I don't like that you're you're doing this. No, she stinks. She, she does, stinks. but like all of them stink. <laughs> all of them stink. So like for you to single out the one woman who but, definitely no, stinks. How about, how, about, how about you find a woman that's funny and put her on late night? I would I'm watch right Jane. Here. I would I'm watch right Jane here. Lynch. I would watch Jane Lynch on late night in a second. That's a good selection. Uh, slightly, Josh. a little raunchy. Do you Jane have Lynch. any connection to Jane Lynch? I Worked with don't. Her? No, I mean, other than I love me a tall woman, but no. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys are forgetting that one woman who owned the landscape and walked away was Chelsea Handler. And in my opinion, Mm -hmm. the reason why her show was so so good is that late night in its purest form is an antiquated 
out of date setup, yeah. right? No yep. one wants to watch for an hour. No one gives a flying fuck about your bit. Mm-hmm. No one cares. The monologue's recycled and no totally. one wants to watch three guests. It's like Chelsea's format was brilliant because it was like a five minute monologue, a 10 minute like comedy bang bang with like three other Good super people. funny people. Good people. And then, you know, a 10 minute interview and we're done. No, you're right. I loved Chelsea lately growing up. I read all of her books when I was in high school. I got in trouble because they were like inappropriate and about sex. But I like loved I, I fell out. I don't really follow her work anymore. But I definitely agree that like the format is so like embarrassing. And it's almost now like these late night shows. They put together the whole production just to get clips for YouTube. By the way, Claude, I should have told you before, but we're a PG podcast. So we don't say the word sex here. Uh, we use we 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 say canoodle. We, Stinks. We no, we no no sex. We don't use the word sex. Oh. We say we say canoodle. We're we're a, we're a Christian Bible Belt Mormon. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that. Originally, stuff. we were called the Good Christians. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. No, that's okay. It's, okay, so what do you guys call a blowjob here? A blowjob. Yeah. Uh, a what mouth. About, what about uh, a, handy? a mouth hug? A mouth hug. And what about a handy? Uh, oh. A skin shake. No. <laughs> a hand hug. A hand hug. Oh, man. You know, isn't it? I, I don't know. You guys can rail me in if I'm getting too. It's funny. One of the comments on our podcast was, love when they talk about food, don't like when they talk about sex. I was like, did my mom write this? I was just about to say, was that your mom? That's so funny. You know, but that actually makes sense. Can I tell you why? Like, because you guys are the good guys. Like, I I will never forget. I read the book, um... Uh, what was it called? Act Like a Lady, which was written by the three girls who started Lady Gang Podcast. And they, you know, were talking about all their sexcapades over the years and how one of the girls was talking about this guy who was the best sex she ever had. And it was hard for her to break up with him, but it's like when she learned that, like, you never marry the best sex you ever had. Like, that's not how the world works. That's not, those guys aren't husband material. What are you trying to say? <laughs> well, if you want to go there, Ben, you're the best sex I've only ha- I've ever had because you're the only sex I've ever had. Um, Cute. So by default, you win. But it's like, honestly, I don't know if people really are looking for sex talk from two really nice Hamish Jewish married boys. I can understand that. I, I can I can understand it, too. I, I mean, I feel like I'm not overtly that way, but sometimes it's just I, I think it's more of the. Like what I was going to say before was when we're talking about, um, you know, skin shakes and whatnot (laughs) and mouth hugs is like in married life, how your relationship with intimacy changes so much. Right. Because and like what's exciting, what's novel and what's like, you know, because like one of those things we mentioned, like if that that happens a couple of times a year, I'm like, wow, this Ah. is like an event. (laughs) No, but also I feel like when you, maybe not even just marriage, but like long-term relationships, like when you are intimate with someone for so long, I think you also realize like how intimate sex is. I think our culture, like we definitely, sex is very casual, which is great, you know, free the nipple, all that stuff. But it's a deeply, not for everyone, but it's a deeply intimate act. And when you're doing it with the same person for so long and getting comfortable and like learning things about each other, and then you go to like start dating again, I think it's very jarring. I'm sorry, I'm probably... I'm probably going to get canceled, but put away the nipple. I've had enough. Put away the nipple. I don't need to see the nipple. By the way, I don't care if it's a guy or a girl. Put away your nipples. Well, Ben, the whole impetus behind free the nipple is that it's only for women because men's nipples are freed. 
I get it. So let's unfree all the nipples. I no agree. one Nip- should have free nipples. No, nipples definitely make me uncomfortable like other people's, like at the beach and stuff. Like, put them away. Especially, like, you go to a nude beach. I remember I was probably 11. We were in Europe somewhere. You went to a nude go beach to, at 11? Go, go, uh, yes. It was actually a nude pool and a nude beach. <laughs> we're at some hotel, and I remember turning to my mom and being like, that woman's nipples look like bananas. And it's just like, you don't need to see that at such a young age. Put away your nipples. I don't disagree. I, I should, just... we, should we start that movement? <laughs> Put away your nipples. nipples. Put away your nipples. Everyone. <laughs> I, I just remember once at a party when I was like 24 that this girl was like drunk and kissing this guy. And I'm like sitting right there just being just a nerd. And I and, <laughs> and she was just wearing an incredibly revealing shirt, which her and she didn't notice that her breast was out and i just felt like it was like i was like hey your your nipple <laughs> i love that you just said that josh this is important claude is a woman you can attest to this i can't possibly imagine a situation where i do not know that my nipple <laughs> is out this is this is fraudulent that's true. any woman that says oh sorry my nipple was out i didn't realize what are you nuts? Let you me feel ask you a question. Breeze. Do you guys remember the first boob you saw? Like whether it was on purpose, on accident, not in TV or anything, but like the first time you saw a boob, I remember. In person? In person. And that wasn't like, you know, your mom's breasts when you were breastfeeding. Because <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, I never forgot. I was fucking scarred. I was shopping with my family at a department store called Lomans. And Lomans, had- shout out. They had communal dressing rooms. So it was like one big space. It wasn't stalls. And I didn't know. And I was just sitting, you know, waiting. And a big pair of tits just like knocked me in the face. And I was like, oh, my God. It was to this day the most triggering moment of my life. I like that you had that because my uh, version of that, Josh, I'm sure you had this too. It used to be far more acceptable in like a locker room like just to get completely naked and I just feel like at a young age I would just see old men like at the gym just totally naked Mm -hmm. and you'd like be like what in the world is that Johnson that I'm looking at it's it's because of cell phones that's interesting you're right we're so much less free yeah but there is a happy medium like I and now as like a grown ass man who's like semi okay with my body at certain angles, I just have realized at that locker room angles. <laughs> locker room etiquette is this. Don't be the guy walking around with your hog out showing yep. like we all know what you're doing with that. But also like if you're a grown ass man and you're doing the I'm gonna put my underwear on under my towel. I agree. Like, I'm like, babe, it, come on. <laughs> like the same so swim team. But so you feel that way until I'm in Florida and I'm sitting next to my brother-in-law in the steam room and my towel comes open. I'm sitting there naked next to my brother-in-law. Ew. It's pretty strange. Please stop. What, do you have a problem with that? That's just weird. I feel like women's etiquette in locker rooms is very much like boobs are fine. Like, but when you need to, you know, take your towel off on your bottom, like move quickly. Are there a lot of bushes in the locker room? No. They're more, bush- they're more on women- trend, no? They are in pornography. No, not that I would not. know. <laughs> They're not in trend at whatsoever, but I'm also not out here on a bush search when I'm getting a massage or using the sauna. Like I'm very much minding to my own. A bush search. I'm not. I'm not George Bush Senior. I'm not looking. 
Yeah, I feel like they've been more on trend. Hey, I wanted, you know, we don't usually get to have a, a brilliant female voice on this pod to to give their opinion. Except but... Jeanette McCurdy. Oh, Rest Jeanette. in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> it's so sad that she died. I'm so sad about it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just, I fear running into her in person because I know it's not oh, going to go well. <laughs> Do you think, uh, I imagine you saw this this stuff re- that happened on Monday with Damar Hamlin. Have you heard about this? Yes. This mm-hmm. gorgeous, you know, football player who who had this awful event happen. Mm-hmm. Where he, um, and Joy Behar rips heterosexual men for supporting tackle football. So what do you think? Um, what's I'm your opinion? Jo- I'm ripping Joy Behar for being a fucking misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joy Behar agree. is a fucking misery no i we like live in a culture where it's like we'll have an intellectual debate and there are people whose like sole answer is going to be like masculinity and i think that's like a new wave feminism thing like men are the problem and it's just dumb and it doesn't fix anything and when we talked about the damar hamlin stuff on the podcast we I definitely was so sad and I was like, there's definitely a problem within football, CTE. There's like a, a, a thing and it's worth discussing, but I don't think blaming the whole gender and then not joy being like regressive. Uh, women like football too, not me, but other women do like not her being non-inclusive. Wow. So well said. I just outwoked the woke. <laughs> I mean, Joy Behar is the absolute worst. I I'm agree. sorry. I I, we don't claim her. She's like she's not a Jew. She's Italian. She's not, she is. Yeah, <laughs> really. So I'm trying to make everyone Jewish. Even, even more so that I don't claim her. She looks. She looks Jewish. I would have guessed she was Jewish too. She's Italian. What the hell? That's so weird. But she is absolutely no, ben, mi- the only, she's miserable. The only Jew on the View is Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah, and she's really Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking anti-Semite. Unbelievable. That show should that show should get should have gotten canceled yesterday. Well, Good you old. know what? Actually, we're always talking about the, the view on the toast because I think at its core, the view is conceptually like an amazing idea. We live in such divided times, and there's really no space for civil discourse. It's like people hate each other. They hate people who they disagree with. And it's really toxic. And I think that's why so much of the divisiveness in the country exists. So at its core, the show is a great idea. But the show is not really that diverse in its in its landscape of opinions. Like, no, there, if you come out like, with an... If, sorry, didn't no, I was just saying there's always like one one person who leans right, like Megan McCain, but she's not really representative, I don't think, of like what the right currently is. And it's like the, the like people on the show have been there for 15 years, except the, the Republican who like gets bullied out. I was just about to say, God forbid somebody does express a different opinion. It's not allowed. No, that's it's the, the premise. It's the, view, it's the view unless Joy Behar disagrees with you. Like that's, whatever. That's the, that's the view. Terrible. Well, but back to Hamlin. It was what, terrible what happened to him. The truth is, though, what happened to him was not a football-related injury. Like, clearly, it'll come out soon. Josh, I don't know if you disagree, but it seemed like he was probably predisposed to something. You don't just have a heart attack playing tackle football so like that. What like, I, I saw was that he actually landed. Like, what he, it wasn't a predisposed condition. He landed on his chest, and when your heart suffers like a very um, – like a physical trauma, it can literally stop your heart. It's like a rare thing. That's what I had heard. Nobody knows, obviously, because the doctors haven't told us. 
I think what the consensus is, it's uh, first of all, absurdly rare, but it's actually a, it's a, it's a version of like an arrhythmia or what happens is it's like your heart literally has to be in a certain part of the cycle, like on the up cycle of pumping. Right. And then in like a millisecond, a trauma has to happen so that it literally turns your heart off. But Agreed. It's like this wild, uh, you know, it's it's this wildly one time, yeah. you know, to ever happen in the world event. And like what's so inspiring is the $8 million that has yeah. now been raised for this like toy fund toy of drive. his. I agree. I mean, and, and also I'm, I'm dying to hear, you know, um, immediately the internet goes after Roger Goodell, who's the commissioner of the NFL, for being like, that game should have been stopped immediately. To which I want to say, it was. And then... Um, You know what? I'm going to disagree with you there. It took an hour. But you know what? Okay. So you think, like, what do you think could have been handled better? I just think... And I read a report. It's like the players were told they had five minutes to, you know, warm up after the break and that they would be back. Like, I think... It's just indicative of like the players' health and safety not really being like a paramount concern for the NFL. Like if it was, you know, they would address the CTE problem. They would play on real grass, which would help, you know, bounce their falls a little bit. Like they would be doing things. Wow. Yeah, I follow, very edu- you are I follow very Kelly educated. Stafford, Matt Stafford's wife. She's talking about this grassing. Like if they just switched to real grass, like it would have so many benefits for the players. So I just think it's like this overall feeling from the players and their families that like, you know, the, the league could be doing more and they're not. So it's like, then here's a, a situation where, yeah, I understand it was an important game, but like a person's life is more important than that. And it's like the fact that the immediate reaction wasn't just like, this game is irrelevant. We have to save this person's life. Like, I, I can't think of a time when I've ever seen an ambulance drive onto a field where you resuscitate a person, a person's heart stopped on the field. But it, I hear you. I hear you. I do think that they stopped the game. They thought about all of the various things that are going on. But regardless of if the game continued to be played or not, he was in the hospital receiving the same care. That's all I'm saying. So I, they stopped it. It was the right thing to do. People's lives come first. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not on the, the Roger Goodell hate train. Well, it's not one it's... person's fault. It's a multi-billion dollar organization with thousands of employees. And it also, they have to cross-reference, like, the referees, the head coaches, like, what's the consensus? What's the report back? And that's happening in real time. And I think it's just, like, it's just so the internet (laughs) to be, like, these, you know, how dare they take this long? Listen, okay, let's say your high school basketball game was going on and a kid's heart stopped. And the principal of the school didn't want to stop the game and just make everyone go home and take care of the kid. Would you blame the principal? Roger Goodell is the principal here, in my opinion. But that, but it didn't happen. It just maybe didn't happen at the speed that everyone who has no idea how to run yes. themselves out of a paper bag. <laughs> like, yes, yes, say, that's true. The, the, the example is more the principal came, saw what was going on, didn't make a rash decision, gathered all of the information, and then canceled the game. Yeah, no, I just think it would have meant a lot to the players and their families if it felt like, you know, game, whatever, this man's life takes priority. Which, by the way, and this may come as a surprise, in soccer, this happens more than once a year. 
and where someone's heart just stops. I just think it's the nature of the, of the cardio oh event. Oh my God, my tripod just fell and quite literally gave me a heart attack. I'm not okay. It, it almost took out America's sweetheart, Claudia Oshie. Like I wasn't expecting to hear a big thump and I heard it and I'm, I'm literally not okay. Claudia, do you ever go by Claudia Soffer? No. God um, forbid. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you what. No, I'm, I'm really glad you asked. I was like planning on it. And I, I did one of those services right after we got married that like does it for you, allegedly. Um, it's a lot of paperwork. And so when I thought I could just get this company to do it for me, I was like, okay, sure. They don't do shit. They just print the, the shit for you and send it to you with a stamp. And they're like, here, send this there. Send this there. Fill this out. So I was like, you know what? I'm too lazy. And then I was building my brand. And it's very hard to get your name out there, get your name recognized. And I just wasn't in a place where I could just get a new name you know and then I thought about my history my ancestors I don't know if you know this about me but my um on my father's side I am a descendant of the great rabbi Ephraim Ashrei and that's a responsibility I'm really you know I take I take seriously and it's something I'm very proud of he was a prolific orthodox rabbi who survived the holocaust he was in a ghetto and he wrote an amazing book afterwards about how he led the Jewish people in uh, concentration camps and ghettos, led them spiritually, like how to observe Shabbat and all the different holidays while you're literally being given, given one piece of bread to to bless over the course of a whole week. So he was really prolific and he has tons of, tons of family. Um, lots of very religious cousins I have in Brooklyn, Muncie. And I don't know, I'm very attached to that legacy. I really am. I'm such a proud Jew. And I remember the feeling, we learned about my, he's my great uncle. We learned about him in eighth grade uh, education, in, in eighth grade history. And everyone looked at me and they were like, Claudia, is that you? And I was like, yeah, that's me. It's <laughs> very exciting. And I was so proud in that moment, so proud of my heritage. And I don't know, I'm not willing to let that go. I want that moment for my kids. Wow. Ben, thoughts? <laughs> I was on board with everything until the last part, which has never been discussed. That moment for my kids, I don't know what that means. I want my kids to be popular and special. Yeah, they're not... They're not taking your last name. But would they be uh, like a middle name? Like, uh, for instance, Mike Oshri Sopper? Absolutely. That was the plan. It was a gorgeous plan. Yeah, no. That's what my sisters did with their kids. I love that. I had my mom's maiden name name as my middle name growing up. I loved it. We're totally doing that. And I just want want the Oshri identification on my kids. And if their mom is Claudia Oshri, you know, superstar, uh, one can hope. I I think that's good. I think it'll help, you know, be a part of their identity. I'm not going to lie, though. Os does create some yes. difficulties with what we can name the the child. Because if it's Peter, then it's Peter Ashray Soffer or P.O.S. or piece of shit. Yeah. Or, you know, like one of those. Or it's not a great initial. I'll give C-O- you that. C.O.S. Claudia Ashray Soffer means... Vagina in Hebrew, Kos. We we know that the names are going to be either Rivka or Avi. So. <laughs> We're going Malky. biblical. We're going biblical Malky. for sure. <laughs> Let's not dance around. Well, oh, I, we'll we'll name after the most prominent Jewish woman in TV, Joy. <laughs> 
Well, I could talk all day, but I feel like we're at our hour, yes? I know. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a dream. Like I said, I'm a, a big good guys girl. Like, I love the pod. Keep keep up the energy. Keep making us laugh. Ben, just like quit it on the breathing. And you guys are, you're going to be huge. I know it. I just know that the reason why people say that I breathe too heavily on the podcast is because you put that in their heads. I'm it's so, not even true. I'm so fucking glad you brought that up because I've been dying to talk about it for a fucking minute, okay? The way I didn't say a word and I got – there was a a thread in one of our Facebook groups about like love the good guys, obsessed with Josh and Ben. And then all the comments were like Ben's breathing. And I'm like, oh my god, people are picking up what I've been putting down for years. Like they are picking – and I didn't say a word, bitch. I didn't say a fucking word. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But on that note, that is our show. Folks, please don't forget to rate – Review and subscribe wherever you can find our podcast. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Stitches Are Us, Toys Are Us. <laughs> uh, wherever else you can find podcasts, you know where you can find them more than me. Are we on iHeart? Do they distribute You're everywhere. Them? Is iHeart really one of the places? We everywhere. But iHeart is one of them? Everywhere to me. Josh, Five stars. Sing? When I close my eyes, Josh, it's do you have a good you. voice? I have an okay voice. I feel like like the Disney Nick kids like had to be like triple threats. I I could yeah I I think yeah. Can you sing for us? <clears throat> How about we save it for the next step of good guys? Because <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure right now. But okay. most important, allow me to give you give our girl Claudia her flowers really quickly. You know Ben and I, most of our relationship up until the last six months was lovely dinners, mm-hmm. a nice text here and there. And we had chatted, we had mused about possibly podcasting together, maybe mm-hmm. one day. And it took you, our matriarch, our young Joan, our balabusta, as our people say, <laughs> to, to get us together and go, Ben, Josh, stop being dumb and let's do it. So thank yeah. you. We wouldn't be here without you. Oh, yes. thank you for thank saying you that. Thank you very much. It has been a joy to babysit you two over the last six months. <laughs> I never met more... Two more technologically inept people in my life. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Five stars, like an Uber. Rate five stars, even though my rating's 4.6. But don't be like me. Be like Claudia. Five stars. Bye.